we said before, the Christmas story, one of the things a lot of people don't focus on when they're reading the Christmas story is that it's full of prophecy. Now, prophecy is God speaking either to or through a human being. That's real simple. Prophecy is God speaking either to or through a human being. And the highest form of prophecy is testimony concerning Jesus Christ. It's the highest form. Revelation 19.10 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so each of the prophecies in the Christmas story promise results in the lives of people who received Jesus or in the lives of people who were open to receiving Jesus. So it applies to everyone here today because you wouldn't be here today if you hadn't received Jesus or if you weren't at least open to receiving Jesus. You know? I mean, the dance was good, but I know you didn't come for that. So, you know, you're, you're here today is because you've either received Jesus or you're open to receiving Jesus. And these five prophecies from the Christmas story um, are available and directed and targeted at people who have received Jesus or are open to receiving him. And the first one, number one, and the, the anointing, the flow is going to kind of come like waves as we go through this. Uh, each one may not hit you, but one will. I'm confident of that. Number one is salvation. Everyone say salvation. salvation. The birth of Jesus Christ becomes very significant to believers when the believer considers God's purpose. Jesus Christ was only born so that he could die. And through his death, salvation was made available to those who receive him by faith. And so we find the first prophecy in the Christmas story. It's given by Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. You'll remember that John the Baptist was the forerunner that God sent to go before Jesus and prepare the way. And so Zechariah begins to prophesy about John, his son, and Jesus, his nephew. And he says in Luke chapter 1, verse 67, Luke chapter 1, verse 67 now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. I'll read it again. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Now his father, speaking of John the Baptist, his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Now look at verse 76. And you, child, he's speaking prophetically over his son, John, now. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Okay, so number one, the first prophecy from the Christmas story, and therefore the first prophecy I have to release over you is there will be an outpouring of salvation in this church 
in this community and in your life. Did you notice in verse 69, he said, God has raised up a horn of salvation. Okay, in Bible days, when you were traveling and you had, you know, some kind of liquid with you that, that you wanted to keep stored or keep, uh, you know, from spoiling during your travel, they would take a ram's horn and heat it up and straighten it all the way out and they would hollow it out and they would fill the ram's horn with the liquid, whether it was oil or whether it was wine or water or whatever it was, and they would put a cap on it. And then whenever they got to their destination, they would remove the leather cap and they would pour out the liquid. So anytime you you read in the scripture, God has raised up a horn of something. It's meaning an outpouring is coming. Something's going to be poured out. I prophesy an outpouring of salvation over your life. There are some of you here today and you're in church this morning, but you're far from God. Your soul is not where it needs to be. Things are not right with you and the Lord. I prophesy in this season, there will be an outpouring of salvation over your life, that your heart will receive the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will penetrate. You will confess with your mouth what you have believed in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your sins will be forgiven and you will be saved. An outpouring of salvation is coming over your life in the name of Jesus. The second thing about it, I prophesy that your unsaved family members who have yet to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ would receive an outpouring from heaven of salvation, that they would hear the gospel, that they would believe it in their heart, that they would confess it with their mouth, that they would repent of their sins, that they would call on the name of the Lord and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You start to feel a little wave of anointing coming in on that prophecy. There will be salvation. The third thing, God is going to pour out salvation on your children who have yet to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who have yet to come to a full and total awareness of the gospel. God is going to reveal himself to them on the level they can receive him and there will be an outpouring of salvation among your children, among the children in this ministry, among the children in this community. All month long, God is going to be saving souls in a supernatural way. You will hear on your phone, you will read on your text messages, people texting you saying, oh my God, my baby got saved. My baby received Jesus. My baby came to the knowledge of the faithfulness and the goodness and the mercy of Jesus Christ. There will be outpourings of salvation. If you receive it, clap your hands in the house. Second prophecy, number two, is the release of favor. This is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 30. Now remember in the scripture, all of these are prophecies, but because they have to do with either carrying Jesus or responding Jesus, they apply directly to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 30. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, this is prophecy, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. 
But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I'm going to read that again. When I say favor, you say favor as loud as you can. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Hallelujah. Favor. Everybody say favor. Favor means one who is granted special privilege because of delight. Somebody who's granted special privilege because of delight. So in other words, I, if I, you know, my wife has special privileges with me. She can get me to do what no one else in the world can get me to do because I delight in her. So my level of delight in her has caused my favor to rest on her. She can get me to do what no one else in the world can. That's what favor means. It's when you grant someone special privileges just because you delight in them so much. Now, Mary has received the favor of God because she agreed to carry Jesus on the inside. Now, are you carrying Jesus on the inside of you by faith? Have you asked Jesus Christ into your heart? Okay, if you have, you too are a recipient of the favor of God. You have special privileges granted to you that other people don't have just because God delights in you. Help your neighbor understand something. Look at him and say, I'm the favorite. Come on, tell him again. Say, I'm the favorite. Now, you know you can have more than one favorite. You want me to prove that to you? What's your favorite food? Somebody asked me, well, you know, what's your favorite food? You know, <clears throat> I said, man, I, I don't know. I, I love Mexican food. And, and then they said, oh, I, thought, I thought you might like Italian. Well, I do love Italian food. I think, I think that's my favorite, you know. And then, and then you know, well, well, what about sushi? Oh, my God, I love sushi. I think that's my favorite, you know, and, and Mantle's growling at me right now because we talked about diet and exercise early in the Mantle session today, and here I am talking about all this food, but, but you can have more than one favorite. I tell Levi all the time, I hold him real close, I look him in his eyes, I say, boy, you're my favorite, and then I'll pick up Sammy, and I'll say, Sammy, you're my favorite, and then I'll look over at Katie, and I'll smile, and I'll say, baby, you're my favorite. You can have more than one favorite. If you have received Jesus, you are the favorite of God. If you're carrying Jesus, you are the favorite of God. Say, I'm the favorite. Okay. I prophesy seven manifestations of the favor of God over your life before the end of this month. Just, just receive. Now, that, that wave's coming again. You can feel it. I prophesy 
seven unique manifestations. I'm talking about things happening in your life that you didn't qualify for. I'm talking about promotions you didn't even apply for. I'm talking about stuff coming in the mailbox you didn't even ask anybody to send. I'm talking about contracts being offered to you. I'm talking about out-of-season stuff that it's not, it's not even the right time for it. It's just popping up in your life. I'm talking about seven things happening that when you see it, you just stumble back and say, that ain't nothing but the favor of God. I'm talking about preferential treatment. I'm feeling the glory of the Lord. If you're sensitive, you can start to feel this thing swirling. I'm talking about preferential treatment coming on you for no other reason. Just receiving things you weren't even expecting for no other reason than just you are a target. You're a recipient of the favor of God just because you're carrying Jesus on the inside. You receive that, give God a hand clap of praise. Say, I receive. Hallelujah to God. It's starting to rise in here a little bit. I can feel it. Can you feel something starting to rise in here a little bit? I can feel it. Lift up your hands. Glory to your name, Father. We worship you, Jesus. We give you praise, and we receive your favor. We receive your delight. We receive preferential treatment. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Somebody holler, yes! Number three, blessing. Blessing. Shout it out. Blessing. Luke 1, 39 through 42. Again, all these just coming right out of the Christmas story. Luke 1, 39 through 42. Mary rose in those days, went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, entered the house of Zacharias. And greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, do you see the prophecy there? So Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's a bubbling up. You know, that's what the word prophesy means. It means to bubble up and out. So you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and there was a bubbling up, and she opened her mouth, and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She says, Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which was told her of the Lord. The word blessed simply means the supernatural ability to succeed. I'm going to say that again because I like it. The word blessed, hallelujah, there's another one of those waves is coming up now. The, 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 the word blessed just means the supernatural ability to succeed. What I want you to catch out of that definition is that the blessing of God is not a car. It's an ability. The blessing of God is not a check. It's an ability. 
Okay. The blessing of God is something that comes on you that when your natural ability runs out, you know, because your natural ability has a ceiling, it has limitations, it can only go so far. When your natural ability runs out, a supernatural ability from God comes on you and enables you to be successful regardless of if you have the natural ability to be successful in it or not. Okay. Say the blessing is an ability. Say, because of Jesus, I am blessed. In fact, put up your right hand and say, I know I am blessed. In fact, when they ask you how you accomplished what you accomplished in your life, stop saying you were lucky. When they ask you how you made it through school and got those grades, stop saying you just studied real hard. When they ask you how you got that vehicle, how you got that house, how you got that promotion, stop lying to people and downplaying it. Just, just look them square in the eye and say, I am blessed. I got something on me that enables me to succeed. In spite of the obstacles or adversity that comes in my way, the blessing of God is on my life, and I am blessed. Say it with me. I am blessed. Because of Jesus, I am blessed. Now, let me tell you something very clearly. The blessing of God is not prosperity. Ooh, yeah, hallelujah. The blessing of God is not prosperity, but it does attract it like a magnet. Whew. The blessing of God is simply an ability. Okay, it's God's ability on you. So it's not prosperity, but it attracts it like a magnet. So I want you to see something in this text. Mary goes to see cousin Lizzie. Lizzie hugs her, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of her spirit, she begins to prophesy, and she releases one word. First word of prophecy, she releases over Mary. She shouted with a loud voice, bless! She just released the blessing over her life. She just released the blessing over her life. Like I'm doing to you right now. Bless! She just released the blessing over her life. It was just something as simple as saying one word with a loud voice, with a prophetic anointing, and through a godly utterance. She just said, like I'm saying right now, blessed are you, right? She, she, blessed are you right where you're sitting, right where you're sitting, right where you're watching. Blessed are you. Now, when Elizabeth releases that prophetic word, they're standing in Judah in the nation of Israel in one location. In another location in the east, somewhere in Asia, three wise men got up and started packing their camels with gold, with frankincense, and with myrrh, and started searching star maps to try to find out where to deliver it to. Because the blessing of God is not prosperity, but it does attract prosperity like a magnet. When that word of blessing was released out of Elizabeth's mouth prophetically, when the prophetic word was released, I don't think you hear me, I said the moment the prophetic word was released, 
released, prosperity started getting prepared and sent on a journey. I'm telling you this morning at 11.09 a.m., because of the prophetic word, I release the blessing of God over you. Because of the prophetic word, prosperity is being prepared for you right now. In some business meeting, in some leader's mind of strategy, in some boardroom somewhere, preparation is being made for you. There's a contract being designed that only you can get. There's a promotion being designed that you're going to get. There's something cooking up for you right now because of the word of blessing. Throw up both your hands and say, I receive the blessing. Think about your life for a minute. Think about your life for a minute. Think about where you're standing for a minute and say with a loud voice, I receive the blessing of the Lord. Now give him a hand clap of praise. Praise in the blessing. Clap in the blessing. Raise your hands in the blessing. The blessing is here. Oh, the blessing is here. Oh, the blessing is here. Oh, the blessing is now. The blessing is now. The blessing is now from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. The blessing is now. Pastor, I hear your skepticism. Pastor, Jesus came to save us, not to bless us. False. Acts 3.26, put it up there, please. Acts 3.26, I want you to see it right out of your Bible. Acts 3.26, please, as soon as you can. Acts chapter 3, verse 26. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to... I mean, I don't have nothing else to say. I just wanted you to see the Bible say that one of the reasons God sent Jesus was not just to save you, but also to bless you. In fact, the two primary purposes of the Son of God coming to this earth, number one was for the salvation of your soul, for your salvation. But number two, it was to bless you. Sometimes, sometimes we have not because we have not been taught. We have not we have not received the revelation of what God wants to do in our lives, so we can't believe for it, and because we can't believe for it, we can't access it. But I release over your life right now, over your mind right now, over your thinking right now, over your hopes and dreams right now, over your expectation right now, I release the blessing, the knowledge of the blessing, the inward insight of God's capacity and ability to bless you. And I speak over you that the blessing is on its way even now in the name of Jesus. Number four, number four, direction through dreams. Direction through dreams. Uh, Matthew 1, 19 and 20. I want you to look at all these different dreams. This is going to freak you out. It freaked me out. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, 
for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now Matthew 2, verse 13. Look at this. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. So Herod made that order that all the children under two years old should be killed. And Joseph was warned. He was given direction by God for how to move and where to go, okay, and how to be safe. He was warned in a dream. Look at Matthew 2, 19 through 23. When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Pause. Those enemies that sought your destruction this year, God said they are dead. The motive is dead. The reason for wanting to do it is dead. The weapon they formed against you is dead. The poison on their dart is dead. The enemy is dead. Shout is dead. He said those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside and went into the region of Galilee. That's four dreams. Okay. Four pivotal moments in his life. He's got to have direction. God makes sure that he sends the direction. Okay. Now, you got to understand this. Joseph didn't have a Bible, you know, wasn't all written yet. Joseph didn't have an iPhone where he could watch preaching messages and YouTube clips of preaching and teaching, okay? He's not going to church every Sunday. That wasn't how it was organized. They only made trips to the temple a couple of times a year, okay? So, so he's got no way to get the preceding word of God regularly. So God makes sure that he takes it upon himself. When he needed direction, God makes sure he got the word to him, even if he had to do it while he was asleep. Okay. I prophesy to you that God will send you the words of direction you need, either through messages you hear, either through me or my father or some service here or something that you watch about preaching the word of God, something. He'll send it either through his word or he'll send it through a confirmation some kind of way or even if he has to wait till you go to sleep and speak to you in your dreams, you will not lack direction in this season. Some of you are in a place where you got to have direction. Life has put you at a crossroads and you have to go left or you have to go right. You have to make a decision and you're stressed out about it and you're worried and you're concerned and you don't know what to do. And God told me to prophesy to you that one way or the other, he is going to give you the direction that you need and you'll know it when he sends it. You'll know it when he says it. It'll be confirmed in your heart. 
you will not lack direction. Oh, I wish I could come and shake you by the shoulders and tell you, be encouraged. Be encouraged. You will not lack the direction that you need. The God of heaven who loves you and who has saved you will also lead you and guide you through the pivotal moments of your life. The direction you need is coming. Encourage somebody next to you. Help me preach to them. Say the direction is coming. The direction is coming. The direction is coming. <clears throat> Number five, we're almost done. It's going to be a short one today. Number five, we're almost done, is joy. Whoo, hallelujah. Joy. Everybody shout it. Joy. Luke 2, 8 through 10. Lift up both your hands. I feel the glory of the Lord in the house right now. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. Thank you, Lord, for an outpouring of joy. Thank you, Lord, for sadness removing joy. Thank you, Lord, for depression breaking joy. Thank you, Lord, for anxiety destroying joy. Thank you, Lord, for joy. Give him a healthy praise right there. Come on, right where you're at. Give him a healthy praise praise for joy 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 this is from Luke 2 8 through 10 Luke 2 now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night behold an angel of the Lord stood before them the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Everybody say, good tidings, good news that will cause great joy. The word joy means, listen to this, I never knew this till I studied it out. The word joy means the reason for happiness. Okay, so happiness, okay, that is not joy, is happiness. Happiness happens by happenstance or happenings. In other words, something happened that made me happy. Okay, so my happiness is tied to the happening. Right? Got a new car. I'm happy because of the happening. But then you total the car all the happiness goes away because of the next happening. Okay. Most people's happiness is controlled by the happenings of their life. When the happenings are good, they're happy. When the happenings are bad, they're miserable. Joy, however, is happiness with its own supply source, with its own reason, with its own regeneration. In other words, joy down in your soul that comes from Jesus during this season is something you can have regardless of what's happening around you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of the way you feel emotionally, regardless of the crisis or the difficulty or the health condition, regardless of what's going on, you can be going through it and still have joy, this joy I'm, I'm talking about everybody say joy now how do you get that joy well Jesus has got to be the center okay he's got to be the center okay. when he's the center he brings the joy 
it's cliche to say, and I'm sorry, but Jesus really is the reason for the season. But so many people will go through the season and not receive the joy because they get distracted by the shopping list, the finances they don't have, the gifts they can't give or won't receive, the stress when you go out to, to in the city for anything is just so much stress out there and the traffic and then the family pressure, whether you're going to someone's house, Lord Jesus, or whether you have people coming into yours, Lord Jesus. There, there's so many things and we don't mean to, we don't mean to take Jesus out of the center, but so many times we do. And if you go through the season, the Christmas season, and Jesus is not the center, then there will not be joy. On the other hand, if you go through and you intentionally force yourself to keep Jesus at the center, then no matter what goes on with the traffic or crazy Uncle Fred at the dinner table or any of the things with your fire or anything, you'll, you'll go through the season filled with a joy that because the world didn't give it, the world and the happenings in it cannot take it away. I'm so amazed how the devil never takes a break. You would think when you go through a crisis or a personal tragedy in life, you would think the devil would look at it and notice you're going through a crisis and back up a little bit. But the devil is cruel. And so some of the worst times of demonic attack you will face in your life is when you're going through a crisis, or when you've buried a loved one and your heart is shattered, when you're already dashed up against the rocks, that's when the hordes of darkness come in and release an all-out attack. And I've noticed one of the highest seasons of attack I'm talking about on your mental health, on your soulish health, your emotional health. One of the highest seasons of attack is Christmas time. A time that's supposed to be so full of joy and happiness is often for many people a time of misery. And you don't want to look or sound or feel like the Grinch, so you keep it bottled up. But may, a lot of times the misery has to do with family dynamics. You know, maybe... Maybe there's been a separation in the family. And you're just dreading it. You're dreading having to go through it. Christmas time. Or maybe somebody's not going to be around the table this year that was there last year because they passed away. Or maybe the commercialization of Christmas and all of the marketing to, to try to sell stuff has just made you aware of how, how bad a financial trouble you're in and you're not able to do what you have the heart to do and would like to do. Or maybe you've got a health condition flaring up right about now. And it's the worst time of the year to have to host people or be seen by people. You know, maybe you're really struggling. Christians are the only people in the world that can legitimately grieve and rejoice at the same time. 
When Paul talks about us grieving, he says we grieve, we sorrow, but we do not sorrow like others who have no hope. There's something about keeping Jesus at the forefront of your mind and the center of your heart that no matter what you go through, I'm talking about no matter what, no matter how dark it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how heartbreaking it is, that if Jesus is in the center, he's in the center, you always find yourself with joy. Again, a joy that the happenstance the happenings, the happenstances of your life didn't put there. So the happenstances and the happenings of your life can't, can't remove it from you. So finally, I prophesy joy. No matter what you're facing this morning, no matter how much you've been crying, no matter how difficult it has been, I speak the release of the joy of the Lord over your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise.